Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. In our sermon series, Follow Me, we will be looking at what it means to be a disciple. Today's speaker is Senior Minister Dee Dee Bacon. Love. Love. People do insane things for love. The things we do for love. The things we do for love. Like walking in the rain and the snow when there's nowhere to go. When you're feeling like a part of you is dying. And you're looking for the answer. All right, all the oldies are clapping. You think you're going to break up. Then she says she wants to make up. My favorite part right here. Who can name that band? Anybody? 10CC. Wow! Go Barb! Isn't that awesome? Love, the things we do for love. The things we do for love. A young person will uh, leave his or her family because of love. They'll leave their mother and their father and their brother and sister. They'll leave everything they know to be important to them, if you'd say, their home, because of love. They'll face the disapproval of their family for love. Romeo and Juliet, right? Romeo and Juliet, what's that story? Shakespeare wrote a story, a love story, one of the greatest love stories we say of all time. Romeo was a Montague. Juliet was a Capulet. The Montagues and the Capulets hated each other. They were feuding in the Italian city of Verona. Yet Romeo falls in love with Juliet. Juliet falls in love with Romeo. And in the story, the tragedy, the tension is what? Is that they're willing to leave their family for love. Because of love, they'll say, we're going to choose to act as if we hate mother, father, brother, sister, uncles, aunts, family. The things we do for love. We'll give up our life for love. We'll give up our life for love. Romeo and Juliet, here's a spoiler alert, those of you that didn't know the story. They, uh, they die because of love. Last August, uh, this was past August, I read a story. We uh, went on vacation down on the lake, Norris Lake, and we were running around on the ski jets. I got home, and I read the story. It kind of made me, ooh. Got the story uh, in August about a father and daughter on a ski jet in Lake Canyon, Texas. Did you read about this? Lake Canyon, Texas, they take a turn too hard, jettison dad and, and daughter into the water. Daughter who does have a life vest, can't keep up can't stay afloat. So what does father do? He gives her his life vest. She survives. He doesn't. Father gives up his life to save his daughter. Why? Love. We'll give up our life for love. We'll give up our money for love. Bob Armstrong came home with a bouquet of flowers to celebrate the anniversary of his marriage to his wife, Pamela. 
Little do they know that this, this, this thing, this gesture, would affect their little kitty, Elvis. Off to a while, they noticed Elvis wasn't feeling good. He wasn't eating his favorite nighttime snacks, and they wondered what was going on. They took Elvis to the vet. They discovered that Elvis had eaten some of the bouquet that turned out to be toxic. He was undergoing uh, kidney failure. Elvis was a rescue kitty. Bob and Pamela did everything they could to save their kitty. They, they took the cat to the Penn's Veterinary School of Medicine where the cat started ha receiving um, dialysis treatments. Back and forth to the ICU with this little kitty. Hours and hours, driving three hours up to the veterinary school and back. Eventually, after a month of receiving dialysis, they were able to facilitate a kidney transplant for their little kitty. Save the kitty's life. The cost of the, of the surgery, $15,000. Now, some of you are like me, like, for a cat? <laughs> some of you that know me really well are like, for a cat? <laughs> that is insane. I'm like, cat sick, cat bye-bye. <laughs> We're going to get another cat. Nine lives, nine cats. You know, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> but why? Why does Bob and Pamela Armstrong give up their resources, $15,000 and a lot of time? Why? Because of love. The things we do for love. We'll give up our family. We'll give up our life. We'll give up our money, our resources, our possessions. Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. We come to a passage of Scripture starting at verse 25. I'll read it with you together in a minute. But verse 25 in which we find Jesus saying something that's really shocking. We find Jesus laying out to the large crowd that was gathered around him saying something very shocking to us. Text tells us a large crowd is following, and if you want to measure Jesus' success by terms of attendance, he's hitting it out the park. He's got this huge crowd that's following him. He's the, one of the most popular guys around. Uh, people are, by the thousands are going around to see what he does and hear what he says and, and be where he is. And he turns to them and he lays out a challenge. Typically, if you have in your Bibles, you'll see that this passage of Scripture is one of those passages where it says, the cost of being a disciple. The price you pay to follow Jesus. Remember we said not too long ago, Jesus is not interested in a crowd of spectators. He's interested in followers. And he lays out in this text what it means to follow the price you pay. Luke chapter 14. You'll follow along with me here. Verse 25. It says, Now large crowds were going along with him. This is Jesus. And he turned and he said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And then he says, whoever does not carry his own cross and come off to me cannot be my disciple. What? To be a follower of Jesus, you're telling me I have to hate my immediate family? To be a follower of Jesus, you're telling me I have to hate my own life, to take up my cross? What does that mean? 
Well, in the time of Jesus, the cross wasn't something that we put up on our churches. It had a very different meaning. In the time of Jesus, the cross was an instrument of execution. It was a symbol of oppression. It was, a pic- it, was, it was something that you thought of with fear and dread. It wasn't something you looked to do. It was something you looked to avoid. Yet here's Jesus saying, no, you need to take up your cross. And what he means is that you have to be willing to die, to be humiliated, to follow me. Now, you get the situation where no doubt there was a a pause, you know, we call them cricket moments here at church sometimes when we're leading worship, that moment where every sudden everything's like, and you can hear the crickets, and everyone's like, so Jesus takes advantage of this, and he kind of lays out in two illustrations where what he's getting at. He's, he's really saying, no, no, you want to follow me? Here, you need to pay attention. He says this, for which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Kind of like how we feel about that bridge in Alaska, apparently. There's that bridge to nowhere. <laughs> what? Anyway, well, what king... When he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000, or else while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. You don't do a construction job without figuring out if you have the budget to complete the job. You don't go to war without figuring out if you don't have the firepower to win the war. Those who are wise will count the cost. Those who are wise will read the fine print. Those who are wise will first assess whether or not they have what it takes to fulfill the obligation they're entering into. And Jesus is saying this to the crowd. I'm laying it out for you. Now we remember, why was the crowd all excited about Jesus? Why were they all hyped about him? Well, they had in their mind this vision of the kingdom of God being this superpower, world power that would would dominate everything in the world. And so in their mind, to be part of the kingdom of God would be part of some kind of superpower nation in which if they were in close proximity, it would allow them opportunity to, to prosperity, property, would allow them to be, who are members of this kingdom, for prestige and power and honor. They were looking for the goods. And so they were following Jesus, asking the question, what can you do for me? Yet Jesus reminds them, wait a minute, it's not about, it's not about what I can do for you. You need to consider what you're going to have to give up to follow me. Because the vision you have of the kingdom of God is not the vision that God has for his kingdom in this world. And so you better count the cost. You better understand what it takes. Wraps it up. Verse 32. So then, no one, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. The things we do for love price you have to pay according to Jesus is what? Hate your immediate family, hate your life, take up your cross, give up all your possessions, ban. What does he mean? 
It's not a very effective marketing strategy, really. I mean, think about it. If I'm in the crowd and I'm like, okay, I'm following Jesus, I'm all excited about Jesus, and he turns around and he says to me these things, hey, by the way, if you want to follow me, if you want to be in my, the kingdom that I'm establishing, if you want to know God, uh, hate your family, hate your own life, give up all your possessions. Um, yeah, don't make sense to me. And in light of what we talked about last week where we said, you know, the church is a hospital and it's to open to all. God wants to, to have all people come to him who are in need and, and are, are looking for, for healing in their life. And, and that's great. The church is to reach all people. But then, then he's, he's offering this invitation to all people and yet he's laying down these terms which seem to be a major turnoff. Doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't seem to be logical. It's not what you would do as an effective marketing strategy to reach all people, to gain the largest audience of individuals who will be able to receive what God brings to them. Doesn't make sense, does it? The things we do for love. You're right, it doesn't make sense apart from this. Apart from love. You see, I think Jesus is not starting here. He's actually starting here, pointing back to here. Does that make sense? He says, I want followers who follow me because of love. And the expression of love may be that if there's a decision between family and me, you're going to choose family. If there's a decision between life and me, you're going to choose life. You're going to choose me, excuse me. <laughs> if there's a decision between possessions and me, you're going to choose me. Jesus wants followers who follow because of love. Jesus wants followers who follow because of love. This last week we had in the evening a conversation about Islam, and there was a young man there who's a Jesus follower who came from an Islamic family. I believe from what they told me is that this young man, in choosing to follow Jesus, also has to face the reality that he will be estranged to his family. The things we do for love. He's giving up mother, father, brother, sister because of his love for Jesus. And the terms are as strong as love and hate. Because in the Muslim culture, in that situation, uh, it gives justification to them to take action against him if they want of a violent nature. Because in their, their, their view, it's, it's an act of hate that he's choosing Jesus. We know that Christians throughout history have given up their life because they've refused to give up on Jesus. Read through all history, the martyrs. Even now, there are people in countries that are facing persecution because they're followers of Jesus, and they're giving up their life because they love Jesus. Now, I don't believe any one of us will face that, maybe. But right now, the reality is, is we don't face those kind of choices, but we do face them on a day-to-day -day basis. We do face decisions whether we're going to love Jesus over our own life. In other words, there are times when maybe following Jesus means I keep my mouth shut and open my ears more in order to honor the person that's talking to me as I reach out to them in love. 
It may be that I put aside my, my ambitions and my professional goals in order to devote myself to discipling my family in the Lord for a season. It may be that I choose to, to serve when I want to not serve and give when I, when, when I, I really am not inclined to give. Why? Because I love Jesus. I give life, my life, my dreams, my aspirations, my selfish ambitions. I put that to death. Why? Because I love Jesus and I want to love like Jesus. It may be that in the course of my following Christ that I give up my possessions. I give stuff that I would rather keep. I share in hospitality as we talked about. Why? Because I love Jesus. See, Jesus is looking for followers who follow because of love. The things we do for love. Let me give you a biblical example. This guy, Peter, has been prominent Simon Peter has been a, a prominent figure in this conversation as, as we've been working through this series, Follow Me. And there's an occasion similar to the one I described in, in Luke 14. It's found in John chapter 6. And uh, we think that what Jesus said, you know, you have to hate your, your immediate family, you have to hate your own life, you have to give up your possession. We think that's shocking. Actually, Jesus takes it to a new level in this conversation recorded for us in John chapter 6. Huge crowds are following him. He turns around and he gets into this conversation that gets more and more bizarre. It ends up him basically saying to the people, if you want to be my followers, you have to drink my blood and eat my flesh. And you're like, woo, okay. Now, on this side of the story where we are, we kind of get it, right? We, we know what he means. We know that he's talking about faith. We know that there's a reference to his work on the cross where he lays down his life and his blood is shed, and, and that is what it means to be made right with God. We get that. In fact, we use similar language when we just take communion. You know, uh, when we take communion, this is his body and this is his blood, and we eat that, but it's not the fact that we're eating it. What we're doing is we're remembering and we're making a testimony of faith that we believe that these are the means by which God has provided a way by which we can be made right with him through Jesus. We get that. But the crowds that first heard that, they didn't get that. They don't get to see the rest of the story. And so in John chapter 6, you get this reaction. John chapter 6, verse 66. It says this. As a result of this, as a result of Jesus saying this, many of his disciples, followers, what? Withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. This is too much. You're talking cannibalism here, dude. I'm not going to be following you. So Jesus said to the 12, he turns around to his immediate followers, his, his 12 closest companions. You do not want to go away also, do you? Here's Simon Peter. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. This is a response of a man who loves. Lord, I don't get this. It's pretty crazy stuff what you're saying. But what I do know is that there's no one like you, Jesus. No one that, 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 that does what you do 
no one that I love as much. Logically, rationally, what you're saying, eat blood, drink blood, eat flesh, all that, seems crazy. But because I've grown to love you, because I've walked with you on a daily basis, because I've seen you and experienced what you have done and, and able to know who you are, because I've come to trust you, I'm convinced you're the Holy One of God. You have the words of eternal life. See, it's love that will eventually it will be the motive that will carry Peter into the calling that God placed in his life. Remember, Peter was the guy that Jesus said, hey, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. What motivates him to do that? You know, he left everything to follow him. What motivated him to do that? The love of Jesus. The love he had of Jesus. He'll become an apostle, the one that will be the first guy to, to do the, the big sermon for the first time the church is established. He'll be one of the leaders of the church. And in that course of his life, he will face persecution and difficulty and hardship, and it'll be struggle. What will push him forward? His love for Jesus. What will keep him going? His love for Jesus. History tells us that, that, that Peter will eventually be crucified, and he will refuse to be crucified right way up, they will crucify him upside down. Crazy. Why? Because he didn't want to dishonor Jesus, the one he loves. If you remember in the life of Peter, you remember he's the one that was kind of braggadocious. And he's like, no, Lord, uh, you know, if you are arrested, if anything happens to you, I'm going to... I'm going to fight. I won't leave you. I'll, I'll, I'll be at your side. Well, we know what happened, right? On the night that, that Jesus was arrested, Peter is confronted in the, around the court area, and they ask him, are you a follower? And he denies knowing Jesus three times. Heartbroken. Heartbroken. Devastated. Jesus is crucified. Three days later, he's raised from the dead. He shows himself to, to Peter and the apostles, and then they have this meeting out at Lake Galilee out on the lake, and they're together, and Jesus is with them, with Peter. They're having, they have breakfast on the shores of the lake, and Jesus reminds Peter what it's all about when it comes to following. John 21, so when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. Jesus said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. What will push Peter forward in his walk with the Lord? Love. His love for Jesus. The things we do for love, the things we do for love, right? Love is responsible for some of the craziest things we do. We'll leave our families because of love. If anyone comes to me, Jesus says, and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. We'll sacrifice our life for the one we love. Whoever does not carry on his own cross, Jesus said, and come after me cannot be my disciple. 
We'll give our possessions for love. So then none of you can be my disciple, he said, who does not give up all his own possessions. You see, to follow Jesus, what moves us forward, if we're really interested in this call to follow me, we need to realize it is a development, a fostering, a moving and growing in the love of Christ. To learn to love Jesus. John, 1 John 4.10 says, This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And again, in 1 John 4.19, it says, We love, we love. Why? Because He first loved us. The cross. The cross. The cross is transformed from an instrument of death, torture, and execution into a symbol of the greatest love act the world has ever seen because of the great act of love that God did through Christ, isn't it? It's because of love that we, we wear this on our, around our neck. It's because of love we put this on our church building and say this is a community of faith Open to all. It's because of love that we put the cross as a symbol of who we are in the work that we do in the world. The cross. It'd be like using execution chair, electric chair as our symbol to say this is who we're all about, but it doesn't mean what you think it means. It's a symbol of love. God has reached out and loved us first in this great act that is captured in the symbol of the cross. And he calls each of us to follow because of love. We love because God first loved. God's great act of love opens up the opportunity for us to love. The things we do for love. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you have to be willing to give up your family. Why? Because of love. Makes sense now. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you have to be willing to give up your life. Why? Because of love. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you have to be willing to give up all your possessions. Why? Because of love. Because of love. Do you love Jesus? Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be here and to hear the story and the challenge. It's a tough challenge to take, you know? It's a tough challenge to hear your words uh, to the crowds, to the spectators. Yet now, when we see it in the context of love, uh, it kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense. We thank you that you first loved us and that we're able to know that you can, you can, we can be right with you through Faith in G faith through faith in, in what you did on the cross, died and, and rose again, this great act of love. Why we were still sinners, the Bible says, you died for us. Really will uh, on occasion we might say, well, it's okay for someone to sacrifice their love for a good person, someone that they value, someone they deem as valuable, but never heard of someone dying for their enemies and for bad people, yet that's what you did. And so this great act of love, we're appreciative of that, but uh, now we know that 
in order to follow you, we also have to grow in this love. And I ask that you would help us to, to understand that, to see that, to recognize that. And now that we see the cost of what it means to be a disciple, help us to understand it in terms of love. This is not a, this is not a to-do list. This is not a, a, a means of, of saying you need to do more and, and, and perform these things. And, and No, it's, it's just the, what you do when you love. It's what you do when you love. Help us to grow in love, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.